Football Today from CBS Sports. Here we go! Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Here we go! It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go! Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. It's a big week here for CBS. The Fantasy Football Today crew is breaking down the top 150 players based on our consensus rankings in fantasy football in 2019 subject to change welcome to the show this is the podcast version i'm adam azer dave richard jamie eisberg and heath cummings are here all right you guys ready for this big week oh yeah can't wait i'm getting the micro machines voice ready (laughs) yeah we have a lot of content to get to and listen you gotta watch hq this week is it noon every monday through friday noon noon o'clock Yes, now that you're off the show, you don't noon care about Eastern. it anymore? Noon Eastern. Noon o'clock Eastern, Monday through Friday. They're going to break down the 150. We're going to break down the 150 on the podcast. We're going to do it a little bit differently. On the video show, they're going to kind of group players together. Hey, we got three quarterbacks in this group of 10. Let's talk about them. On this show, we're going to try it. We'll see how it works. So this is a bit of an experimental episode. I'm going to say a player. I'm going to give these guys at most two minutes to talk about them. This is basically for you listeners out there to get acquainted with the top 150. Start forming your opinions right now in early June. It's going to help you out. Believe me, it's going to help you out before we get to draft season. All right. All that being said, I think we should get started. We're going to do it like this. Heath's going to uh, talk about a player. They're going to at least intro the player. Then Dave and Jamie can chime in. Then Jamie, then Dave will go around the room. And here we go. Wait, 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 wait. What? Heath, can you really do the Micro Machines voice? No, not at all. I can try. Oh. Number 150 in the top 150 players is Duke Johnson. He's a running back from Cleveland. He has never missed a game in his career. In 2017, he was the number 11 running back in PBR. Last year wasn't such a great year for Duke Johnson. Heath. Yeah, that's really terrible, so we shouldn't do that anymore. <laughs> okay. I'm glad we tried it out just to see what it felt like. Okay. Uh, listen, I think Duke Johnson is interesting, if nothing else, especially at this stage of the draft, because he is a talented running back in the passing game who, at least for the first eight weeks of the season, is the handcuff to one of the best running backs in fantasy football. He's in a great offense with a very good quarterback, and he's shown us the ability in the past to be a top 24 running back. I think also, depending on when you draft, he could be traded. So if you draft early, they can still get still get a trade for him if, in fact, somebody ponies up for him. But if he's in Cleveland, I'm not that excited about him. He really had one good year for fantasy purposes in his entire career, and I just think he's going to be saddled into a limited role. If if Nick Chubb gets hurt, who steps in first eight games before Kareem Hunt's back? Who steps in and fills the void? Duke Johnson. Duke Johnson. And Dontrell Hillard. Okay. Duke Johnson. All right, so are you more or less likely to draft Duke Johnson or the same to draft him if you drafted Nick Chubb? The same. Same. Okay. He's 150 for a reason. Gotcha. 149 is Dak Prescott. He was the number 13 quarterback last year in in six point or in four point, number 14 in six point per passing touchdown leagues. And seven games with Amari Cooper, or nine games with Amari Cooper, he threw 35.6 pass attempts per game. That's a ton. So, uh, Jamie, you got Dak Prescott, number 149. He was, you know, very good, obviously, when he got Amari Cooper. Averaged 21.5 fantasy points per game with Cooper, uh, including the playoffs. You know, you take the numbers that he had before Cooper, I think it was like 17.5. Uh, points per game is what he was averaging before the trade. So, you know, the hope would be is that, you know, Jason Witten adds something. Uh, Randall Cobb adds something. Michael Gallup gets better. Cooper continues to do what he was able to do. I do think getting Travis Frederick back is a big addition on the offensive line. So Prescott is one of those guys in that 
I, I kind of lump the quarterbacks basically like 10 through 20 into kind of the same pool. They all have the opportunity to be top five. Uh, but I think they're more likely to be guys that you play for stretches of the season. And I think that's kind of what Dak is. I just don't see a high volume offense for the Cowboys. Uh, but but Dak should be in that 22-point range, which puts him at the lower end of the starting group. The most consistent thing about Dak Prescott over the course of his career is that he's been inconsistent. And he will give you great games and then follow them up with lousy ones. Uh, four of nine games last year with Amari Cooper, 20-plus fantasy points. If you make it 18-plus, he did that six of nine times. But I think we're living in a world where we want 22, 25, 30 points from our fantasy quarterbacks. And, and certainly on, with a semblance of consistency, I'm a little worried about Dak giving us that type of consistency. But I do think he does carry value as a number two quarterback, so as your backup quarterback with some appeal to eventually be a starter. So if you're drafting quarterbacks late, you can't get your hands on Kyler Murray, you can you can use Dak Prescott as a fallback. He's in my top 10. He was on pace for 4,400 yards, 32 total touchdowns with Amari Cooper last year. Yeah, I don't see that. I just don't see him keeping that up. He is a boring player. This is They are the Cowboys. They're going to run, run, run the ball. And they he does, not, not, he does not have top five upside. He does not have top five upside. He is better than Carson Wentz. No, he's not. I'll take Carson Wentz all day long. You you like you like Dak better? I think I have Wentz Wentz behind. <laughs> uh, all right, Devin Funches. I'm surprised Devin Funches made the top 150. He checks in at number 148. Dave. He is a big-bodied pass catcher added to the Indianapolis offense. He is expected to maybe do some of the similar things that Eric Ebron did, just because he's got that unique body type. We've seen him do that before with Carolina, where he caught a lot of off off accurate passes from Cam Newton. He had the big half year two seasons ago when Greg Olson was out. As far as uh, receivers go in non-PPR, he's someone that might be able to qualify for the bench. There are a lot of mouths to feed in Indianapolis's offense. It would take quite a bit for Funchess to work his way into the number two role there. Yeah, and these are PPR rankings. He was in my top 150 before the draft, but with Paris Campbell there with reports that Jack Doyle is going to be ready for the start of the season, he is currently outside of my top 150. I do think he's a good best ball option because he'll probably have a couple of two touchdown games. Uh, the one thing I think with and this, I, I, I think we we all kind of fall into this. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. It's the oh wow, Paris Campbell, he's going to be great, and hopefully he is. I mean, I, I have Campbell ranked ahead of Funches, but you see this with veteran guys versus rookies all the time. The veteran guys win the job. The veteran guys tend to get more production, and while Campbell should be the shiny new toy. You heard the the Colts. I, I forget who said it, whether it was Chris Ballard or Frank Reich, that it's, you know, it may take year one. Year, I think it was Chris Ballard year, uh, during when he invited the media to kind of sit down with him. It could be year three before we see him producing at a high level. We're going to use him in the return game. Like he could be a very valuable player for the Colts, but he may not be a great fantasy option. And Funchess could have the Eric Ebron effect of just getting through the car wash of a different team and better quarterback and better system. And it may not be number top 20 you know fantasy receiver top 30 fantasy receiver but punches may be better than Campbell and Campbell's gonna get drafted first and that could be a mistake all right the next three running backs on this list 147 146 and 145 I think we'll group them together uh one of the two of them are are strictly pass catching running backs I'd say and then I don't know what the other one will be Chris Thompson for the Redskins is 147 Jalen Richard for the Raiders is 146 
He was number 29 in PPR last year, despite not catching one receiving touchdown, despite 68 catches. And Justice Hill for the Ravens, a rookie, a round four pick out of Oklahoma State. Chris Thompson, Jalen Richard, and Justice Hill. That's the consensus ranking. Heath, how would you rank Thompson, Richard, and Hill? Uh, in the reverse order of how we have them listed here. I do think Thompson's a little bit like his teammate Jordan Reed at tight end in that in a PPR league, you're probably going to use Chris Thompson for as long as he stays healthy, and he's probably not going to play 16 games. But I would anticipate he is one of the more heavily targeted options in this passing game when he's healthy. Jalen Richard, I don't... It's going to be very interesting because this was a team, the Raiders, that did not throw the ball to their wide receivers very much last year. Richard and Jared Cook were the options in the passing game. I don't worry so much about Josh Jacobs taking passing downs away from Richard as a rookie. I think that's going to be Richard's job. I don't know if there's going to be as many of those opportunities with Antonio Brown and Tyrell Williams both there. And then Justice Hill is a bit of a wild card. I'm still not 100% sold that he's going to beat out Kenneth Dixon and be Mark Ingram's backup. All right, I'll be a little controversial on this show. I'll be kind of the... The jerk. I just no. Now Jalen Richard. I do think that Montgomery is going to take passing down work away from him. I mean, the the They're running on the same team. Montgomery. <laughs> Sorry, I have the wrong uh, rookie Ty running back. David, Mister Montgomery. I was going with the Bears backfield instead of the Raiders background backfield. I do think Richard is going to lose passing down work uh, because last year they had Doug Martin and Marshawn Lynch. They, you know, those guys were not going to be factors in the passing game. So Jalen Richard is very good. Yeah, he's not for fantasy. Not for fantasy. Well, we are in the 140s. Right. Sure. Anybody can be justified at 146. But again, I'm trying to be a little controversial here. I think the thing about it is it's a little bit of a wild card because of what Jacob's role will be. And I think Heath is probably the most pessimistic on Jacob's based on the lack of track record, right? So if he doesn't play... 16 games, if he doesn't stay healthy for whatever reason, then what are they going to do? Use Doug Martin on passing downs? Use Doug Martin as a their, their feature guy? I think Rashard could still have a very prominent role for this team. And no, he will never get that work. He he, he has never... No, no, not as a, not yeah, as a rusher. Not as a running back, right. No, not, not as a not rusher, as, not as a rusher, right. Right, but I, I would not be surprised if Jacob's missed significant time that we see Rashard 50-plus catches again on top of Jacob's being healthy. And... To have all those touches in the passing game and to not find the end zone at least two or three more times, I don't think that will be the case. I think he will score two to three touchdowns. So you factor in just a few more points, however it comes, he's worth the risk in this range in this format. The other side of it is Tyrell Williams isn't going to be a high-volume pass catcher, and they have to replace Jacobs. It's not just going to be all Antonio Brown. I don't think Darren Walker is going to be the guy, uh, or Daryl Walker, whatever the hell his first name is. Darren Waller. Uh, Waller. Who cares? Um you know, it's it's not going to be Ryan Grant. I think that there's a very big comfort factor between Derek Carr and and Jalen Richard. So I I do think that you're going to see his reception still be in the 50 plus range. All right, let's go to 144 and 143 in the top 150. Two quarterbacks. Ben, I've already uh, changed the format of our show. Ben Roethlisberger and Philip Rivers. Roethlisberger was the number three quarterback in fantasy last year, and Rivers was the number ten quarterback. The Philip Rivers. Ken Wisenhunt uh, combo is just has been very, very good for fantasy in two separate stints there with the Chargers. Who do you guys like better, Roethlisberger or Rivers? I'll take Rivers. I'll take Roethlisberger. Uh, I like Rivers, but they're kind of similar to me. Okay, but Heath, you're definitely the high guy on Roethlisberger. 
Yeah, and it's I mean a lot of it has to do with the volume. Just to let you know before you finish, uh, when we recapped our 14 team mock uh-huh. draft, you weren't here. Add <laughs> rip shreds about your quarterback situation. Because I had Ben Roethlisberger and Lamar and Jackson. Lamar. Those are your two quarterbacks. Yeah, I both. defended you. I defended you. I should have taken Sam Azer, Darnold until I had a number Azer three quarterback. Called you names. It was it was terrible. Uh, he was the number three quarterback in fantasy last year. He won't be that efficient. I do think there's some drop off with that Antonio Brown, but he's still going to throw the ball a ton because he's essentially calling his own place. That is true. He will. Philip Rivers, and he still has one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. He still has a very competent tight end. He still has a good pass-catching running back, and he has lots of possible upside in re- other parts of the receiving core. I maybe have been a little too hard on Roethlisberger. I don't know that we could just expect his production. You like to Sam Darnold and Jimmy no, Garoppolo. I don't you wait. You, you no. can't be hard on Roethlisberger. I don't like Darnold better than I don't like Darnold better than Roethlisberger. Okay, I he he was referring to the video show. I was asked to find no, five. No, you were saying take those guys at the end of the draft. Ben Roethlisberger is available at the end of the draft. Oh no, I. I think it's fine to take him. I just I wouldn't take him and Lamar Jackson. If I were taking Ben Roethlisberger, I would want a better other quarterback than Lamar Jackson. I wouldn't want to take two guys that I consider question marks. I'd like to. What think did you What did you project the Steelers past time wise? Roethlisberger past time wise. I mean, obviously there's going to be decline, but how much of a decline? I'm getting there. Who says there's a decline? Six forty one. So not much. Yeah, thirty four fewer passes than last year. Two a game. That's Which not a lot. Still be a lot. <laughs> so I just think the defense being better. That's the one thing I'm not sure about is the defense is going to be better or not. Okay. So Rivers, top 10 basically, top 12 basically every year. Dave mentioned it on the video show. Always gets off to a fast start. But he did not throw a lot. 508 pass attempts, his fewest in nine seasons. 8.5 yards per attempt, his best mark in eight seasons. So that's why he still managed to have a really good year. Yeah, and I would say like we know the 8.5 yards per attempt is not going to last. The question is whether the 508 pass attempts does. If it does, he's not going to be a top-12 quarterback. All right, number 142 in the countdown is Marquise Lee. Somebody else likes Marquise Lee? I'm not even sure I still like Marquise Lee. Uh, he missed last year with a torn ACL. Uh, yeah, he's, he's a solid player. I don't know that he's ever had more than three touchdown catches, uh, but he's 142. All right. I'd rather have Zay Jones. It's a very interesting receiving core. They just signed Terrell Pryor. Um, so now you have Terrell Pryor and Chris Conley joining Marquise Lee coming back from injury. D.D. Westbrook is dealing with an undisclosed injury. And you have the young guys of, of D.J. Chark. And I'll still throw Keelan Cole and the young guys with, with D.D. Westbrook as well. So, I'm sorry, Westbrook being injured and still being young. Um, with a new quarterback. You know, So we don't really know who he's going to favor. Um, uh, you got your water ready? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here we go. Right, so Pete Prisco said that DJ Chark, uh, from what he's been hearing, is standing out in uh, the underwear Olympics. Um, so he's doing well without his pads on. If you want to buy into that, so is Chris Conley. But I think a lot of that has to do with Lee and, and Westbrook not being on the field. So, you know, we'll see. I, I think Lee's got the most upside of this group, um, and that includes Westbrook. But really? It's a matter. Of, yeah. I, I, you go back to what he did at the end of the 2017 season. He was finally starting to look like a, a – a good player in this offense and, and a good player for the Jaguars. It's just a matter of can you trust the Jaguars receiver? I think all these guys are worth a flyer. Not all the Jaguars receivers, but I think you look at Lee, you look at Westbrook. He's going in, in basically based on at least fantasy football calculator around 11 or later. We're not going to talk about him now, but um, they're all sort of, you know, it, it's like the Buffalo receivers. Someone's going to step the Dolphins receivers. You know, these are just teams that don't have a standout guy. 
So someone's going to have to take targets and, and be productive. But that's not necessarily true because we have plenty of seasons, plenty of teams every year where like nobody's really good. And the Jaguars well, they don't have to typically... necessarily be starters for your fantasy team. But again, two to three weeks, four to five weeks of a stretch. We talked about this. The, yeah. the, the 49ers leading receiver was Kendrick Bourne. But you got four good weeks of Dante Pettis. Yeah. You get four good weeks of Marquis Lee. If it comes at the right time, your fantasy team will be in great shape. Okay, uh, Trey Burton is number 141. He was the number six tight end in non-PPR, number eight in PPR last year. Uh, just a team that really spread the ball around. Four players had between 569 and 754 yards. No player had more than 94 targets. No player had more than 71 catches. I will say that Allen Robinson was on pace for 116 targets. But I don't know. Yeah, Burton just kind of uh, blended in in a very balanced receiving core for the Bears. He checks in at number 141. Wait, is he the first tight end we talked about today? Yes, yeah. so far. Okay, uh, so he's behind Vance McDonald and Chris Herndon and other guys yeah. that we're going to talk about, just barely. And I think I actually have him higher than this, even though I was down on him going into last year, just because I don't think things were probably going to go worse for him in 2019 than they did in 2018. And he had 54 catches for 569 yards, six touchdowns, and was a top seven tight end. In fantasy last year? He was six in non-PPR, eight in full PPR, and half PPR. So unless the position as a whole takes a leap, I don't see any reason to think he won't be a top 10 guy this year. He wasn't very exciting. He had a couple of very good games, and I think his first half was a lot better than the second half, but he averaged five and a half fantasy points per game in non-PPR, 8.8 in full PPR. When when you're drafting this late in the at a tight end, you're looking for somebody who can at least get you off on the right foot to start the season. Let's see if he's even ready. Chicago likes what they've gotten out of Adam Shaheen. They uh, made Bradley Sowell a tight end. He was their former swing tackle. And he's hurt. Burton's got coming back from surgery. I think it's on his groin. groin. And he apparently had some anxiety late last season. And that cost him some playing time. I can't get I, over the talent, I, though, Dave. I, There's the a ta- lot of talent. Listen, a year ago at this time, I was going crazy over Trey Burton. Right. I thought we all... You know, we we drew the comparison to Travis Kelsey because Matt Nagy coming from Kansas City. So, of course, he's got to get his tight end going. And there were a couple games where Trey Burton did play like Travis Kelsey. I'm not going to fault you for taking Trey Burton with a very late choice if he's your tight end to begin the season. He's got Green Bay at home in week one. Sure, he can have a good game against that defense. But I don't know if he's going to finish as a top five, top six. He finishes the number six tight end in non-PPR. I don't think he can finish there this year. I, I, I'd be skeptical about him being your tight end for 16 games. All right, number 140, I cannot say this guy was on my radar, Mohamed Sanu. Now, Jamie, you talked about a guy having a hot stretch. Weeks three through seven, Mohamed Sanu tore it up. He had three touchdowns. He had 12 to 17 fantasy points in PPR in all four of those games. And a career high, 838 yards last year. Sanu has never caught more than five touchdowns. So we have him at 140. Do you ever find yourself actually drafting Mohamed Sanu? Yeah, late in PPR, and you should. I mean, he's you know one of those guys that's on the cusp of being a top twenty-four guy. A lot of his volume, but this is an offense that's going to be good. You know, schedule's tough for the Falcons, but offensive line should be dramatically improved. We talked about that. We talked about it with our buddy Matt Speak. Uh, Matt Ryan was great last year. Again, similar to Roethlisberger, I worry about the volume because the defense should be better because the guys are healthy. Run game should be better as well. You hope to see a little bit more from Calvin Ridley, but I think you'll get four or five good games out of Mohamed Sanu. If he strings them together at the right time, especially when they're indoors, which they are a lot, uh, he could be one of those guys that helps you at the end of the season. Top 30 fantasy receiver, regardless of format, each of the last two seasons. Um, yeah. It doesn't have a lot of upside. He's one of those receivers that you want to 
take with one of your last picks in best ball. Okay, I can see that because when you say top 30, I mean, that to me really does register more in a best ball scenario because for most of the time, Mohamed Sanu is, is pretty useless, you know? Right. Like, when are you going to start him? As a bye week guy, that's fine. Yeah, I mean, it depends on what and the, the depth of your was league. Great last year. It's the depth of your league, too. Yeah, if you're playing in a 12-team league with one flex, that's probably true. He was only great the last two weeks of the season. There's a lot of leagues uh, deeper. Yeah. Like, comparing him to someone that we've talked about that's not on the list, Zay Jones, he scored 20 more fantasy points, and they did not add someone to take targets away like they did in Buffalo. Sure. Uh, we talked about Zay Jones because he was one of the five guys I said just missed my cut. Uh, all right, let's get to the 130s now. Alexander Madison, rookie running back for, for Minnesota. Do you think Alexander Madison will have value even with a healthy Dalvin Cook? Pretty much no. You're never going to start Alexander Madison when Cook is healthy. But Cook has missed at least one game by the first week of October. Each of his first two seasons, he's missed 17 games overall. I feel like this is a safe bet to, you know, become a fill-in starter, fill-in starter for your fantasy team um, before the midpoint of the season. And I, I think if Minnesota the guy runs the sure. ball as much Fair as point. I expect they are going to, um, Dalvin Cook's not getting all those carries, just because like you don't give a guy that's shown the ability to be a workhorse that many carries. And you don't give him to Dalvin Cook. So I do think there's a chance for him to get 8 to 10 touches a game and possibly the short yardage or goal line work, which could make him somewhat viable in non-PPR. And he is a physical between-the-tackles type of running back. He is not a burner. He's slow. Yeah, but he he's physical. Um, here's his competition because Jamie mentioned that if he's the guy. Uh, Michael Boone, Amir Abdullah, Rock Thomas. Uh, there's somebody named Kari Blazengame. On their bench. Is CJ Ham that's still there? CJ Ham is, but he's their fullback. So I don't know if Ham's gonna go ham if Dalvin Cook stops cooking. Look at me. I belong on a nineteen nineties <laughs> FM radio dial. Uh, I think Madison is gonna end up being the 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 backup there. And I do like the idea of getting him with a top ten to eleven ish round pick to speculate on Dalvin Cook not lasting super long. I'm trying to remember the airplane line. Give me ham on five, hold the bayo, or something like that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it's funny. It's funny, I promise. Kyler Murray is 138. The rookie quarterback checks in at 138. And what I heard on the video show today was something that made my ears, I don't know. I heard it. They popped out. I don't know. Something crazy. Um, Jamie said he'd rather have Kyler Murray than Russell Wilson. And that one really, really got me. So go ahead, Jamie. Kyler Murray, 138. Yeah, I just look at what the upside is for Kyler. It's not necessarily a um, talent-wise. I mean, I, I mean, Russell Wilson's a better quarterback, but it's just the offense that these two guys play in. You know, if the air raid offense that Cliff Kingsbury wants to run translates to the NFL, where they were always among the uh, top teams in college, his offense were always among the top teams in college in terms of plays, then Kyler's going to get an opportunity to have more volume. And, you know, what he should be able to do as a rusher is what Russell Wilson used to do as a rusher, which is actually run the ball. Um, I don't think the throwing will be the same, but I just think his fantasy production has a little bit more. There's a little bit more higher ceiling with with Kyler Murray than there is with Russell Wilson. So I'll draft upside there. I have him back to back. So I have Kyler at 12 and, and Russell Wilson at 13. Um, if I could make that pairing, I would do so in a heartbeat. But I don't think so because Russell Wilson, based on name and, and what his numbers have been, will go ahead of Kyler Murray, but I would much rather take the upside of Kyler Murray. 
Question number one, Jamie. Would you advise on a strategy, a draft strategy involving Kyler Murray? Because you have him as a top 12 quarterback. Yeah, I think he's one of the guys you have to take with with uh, with a second quarterback. And like I just said, I would take you know, if I can get both but, those guys together, I would do it. But what's your strategy in trying to do you go into your draft oh, saying I gotta him. have no, Kyler no, Murray? No, 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 I'll wait for him. So I, th- like, I, there's no quarterback I'd go and say I have to get. Fine. So like as an option, let's just say you 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 pass on Mahomes, Rogers, Luck, whatever order you have him in, you find yourself in round nine, ten, eleven. Yeah. And you you'll take Kyler first and then Russell Wilson. Maybe you're at back to back picks. I'm never gonna get those two because no. Russell Wilson. Yeah, right. I'm going to tell you what the consensus rankings say right now. They have Russell Wilson's Fantasy Pro's consensus ranking. Russell Wilson, QB6. Kyler Murray, QB19. <laughs> yeah, it's and, and I get it. And look, Russell Wilson is has been great and should be very good again. It's just a matter of you, you look at what the volume is for the Seahawks offense. They just don't throw the ball very much. You'll hear Russell Wilson's name before this podcast is over. That's where he ranks among our consensus. I do have Russell Wilson ranked ahead of Kyler Murray. I do too. But neither of them are in my top 16. Nine of them are in your top 16. Wow. You really, and Jamie talked about this on the video show today, but you really love pass attempts. Volume. That's, That's a big thing. That's part of it. Like, I have a hard time. We, we can talk about the rest of that when we get to Russell Wilson. All right, all right. Uh, next up, I'm going to group number 137 and 135 together. 136 is a wide receiver, but number 137 is Chris Herndon, Jets tight end, number 15 tight end in fantasy last year. And Vance McDonald is number 135. He's going into his seventh season. So uh, Herndon and McDonald here in this 135, 137 range. Heath, who do you like? Who do you guys like better, Heath Start? I have Herndon one spot higher in non-PPR. I have McDonald one spot higher in PPR. I think they are very, very similar. There's a lot of upside here for McDonald with the targets that have left Pittsburgh, with Antonio Brown gone, with Jesse James gone. If Vance McDonald could actually stay healthy and play 16 games, I think he could be a top six or seven tight end, and not in the vein that Trey Burton was, but someone that's actually good. Herndon worries me a little bit because he did pop last year with Sam Darnold, and I do think he's very talented and has a bright future. I worry about opportunity, though, in an offense that has Le'Veon Bell, that's talking up Robbie Anderson, that has two slot receivers that are going to work in the same area of the field and Quincy Anunwa and Jamison Crowder. I just don't know if there will be enough targets for Herndon to really break out. I agree. Um, Herndon also has had one game over 70 yards last year. Um, and we, we, we can point to Adam Gase and, you know, he's done great work with tight ends. Well, in three years with the Dolphins, he never had more than 388 yards or four touchdowns out of one we're, tight end. We're not complimenting Adam Gase's work with anyone. His tight ends combined for 12 touchdowns over three years. Uh, I will note that Herndon was explosive when he played. He had nine catches of 20 plus yards, 75% catch rate in the red zone. Those are numbers that you don't necessarily see from tight ends when you're drafting this late. Can I just uh, I, say I one thing? I would though? put them in the streamer category. I, I think that we might have to lower that threshold, Dave, for the yards. Because I, I think you should probably look at, at 70 yards. 50 yards per game for a tight end. Because there are only going to be a handful of tight ends that get to 800 yards. Well, fifty, yeah, fifty yards is fantastic. That's like there's like three. But of there's them. a reason why I picked that number. We've we I've noted it for years. You guys have repeated it. The average amount of fantasy points per week in non PPR for the top twelve tight ends is right around seven. Yeah, so if tight end isn't getting you seven fantasy points. Okay, but he's kind of a dud. He's not so going to score zero if touchdowns. You're Chris Herndon, you're doing it hoping that he scores but because there's he's only not get you four yards on there's only four tight ends that are getting seven fantasy points without a touchdown fine so you're all these tight ends that we're talking about streaming you better hope they find the end zone when yes. you start them that's exactly right and we do have to talk about touchdown potential here so it, 
Jamie, uh, your quick thoughts on McDonald versus Herndon. I think Herndon's got a higher ceiling just based on uh, his potential in this offense and the rapport with, with Sam Darnold. Plus, I don't think he's going to be as injury-prone as Vance McDonald is. But I like both these guys. I think these are two great tight ends to wait for. Um, McDonald is a little bit more of a hope. Uh, Herndon, I think, will – I think Herndon can score eight touchdowns this year. Wow. Okay, 136 in between Herndon and McDonald is Robert Foster. We got the wrong Bills wide receiver on the list, guys. <laughs> uh, Robert Foster, 136. Okay, his last seven games, he had 511 yards and three touchdowns. It's pretty serious stuff there without a ton of targets. Um, but I feel like this is going to be uh, a remember when player. Remember when Robert Foster was a thing? One of those guys. All right, go ahead. Discuss. For me, at least, there's just not enough targets available in Buffalo to count on anyone being good because of volume. It's got to be someone with big playability. So the only two Buffalo wide receivers you'll see on this list both have the ability to take the top off the defense. And to hammer that point home, he averaged five targets per game in those final seven games when he came back. Um, it literally was off the roster until I think it was early November. And then they just put him in right away, and he took off. And apparently he's he's making strides in off-season activities. He had only one drop last year. This Everybody is, else is hurt, though, right? Where? In Buffalo? Yeah. Beasley, Beasley is. is Brown's being held out. Is Zay being held out? Croft is hurt. Yeah. I think I, I think this is the type of player you take with a late round. Plus, player. the nice thing is when Josh Allen throws it a long way, it's in the air longer, so you have more time to adjust to wherever it's going. I don't know if he's a on helium those, balloon thrower. On those shorter passes, you have no time to get to wherever he's actually throwing the ball. I think he's the right type of receiver for Josh Allen. He and John Brown, because they've got that deep speed. You know, I talked about this before, where Deshaun Watson's check down is throwing deep to Will Fuller. Josh Allen's check down is going to be just chucking it to one of those two guys. Okay, so we're about halfway through our top 150, the 30 that we're going to do today. 150 through 121. So I'm going to tell you about poker. We love poker. It's that time of year again. The World Series of Poker is here. The 50th year of the most popular poker tournament in the world. And you can watch it. You can have a front row seat to the bracelet events with CBS All Access. You're going to want to go to cbs.com slash poker. CBS.com, not CBS Sports, CBS.com slash poker, or download the CBS app on your phone or your streaming device, and you can get a free trial, by the way. But listen, some of this stuff you can only watch on CBS All Access. 25 events you can't watch anywhere else. The bracelet events include the $100,000 high roller and $100,000 six max. There's going to be a showdown of some of the biggest names in the game. Stakes are high, the tension is palpable, and the winnings are huge, and you can watch all the events online or through the CBS app. Again, cbs.com slash poker, or download the CBS app on your phone or streaming device. So, free trial, by the way. Um, if the four of us play poker, who comes in last, me or Jamie? You. Yeah, I would guess you. I don't know. I think Jamie is a little too nice for poker. I have a killer instinct. What? <laughs> You're not, I'm nicer than you. I don't know. I don't know how much niceness really has to do with it. Yeah, you got it. Nice has a lot. To I do just, with I'm that. always going to know as soon as you look at your cards what kind of cards you have. Right. Adam does not have a poker face at all. I have a great poker face, but I have the tendency to go, ooh. You know, that's not a great it. poker face, Adam. <laughs> that's the opposite of a great poker. No, face. the face is good. It's the sad. It's the voice. The poker voice. I don't have the face. You know, I don't make any any facial expressions. I just exclaim. All right, let's go to our next guy. It is Kareem Hunt, number one thirty four overall. 
Cleveland running back suspended for the first eight games of the season. Overheard on the video show, Dave is not going to draft Kareem Hunt. Correct, because he's going to sit on your bench for the first nine weeks of the fantasy season. Most of us play until week 13, so you're really going to draft him. There are people on Twitter telling me over the weekend, yeah, I'm going to take him in round seven, round eight. When he comes back, he's going to be a stud. You don't know what he'll be like when he comes back, what role he'll have, how good he'll be, how many touches he'll get. There is absolutely nothing guaranteed. And having a player like that being forced to sit on your bench, forget it. It's a waste of a spot. I think most people that draft Kareem Hunt will end up cutting him because they need the bench space. This is in leagues where you've only got five or six bench spots anyway. And by the way, Nick Chubb is pretty damn good. And I'm expecting him to stay uh, among the best running backs in fantasy. 133 on the list is Naeem Hines. Colts running back, Naeem Hines. Jamie, why don't you take the lead here on Hines? I mean, I think it's pretty clear what his role is. He's going to be the pass-catching back in Indianapolis. Uh, He's not going to be great if something happens to Marlon Mack. We saw that last year. Um, He'll be great in the passing game, but I don't think he'll be great as a runner. He's he's very much Jalen Richard-like. So... You just have to know what you're taking him and, and what the format is. And, and for this 150, we're talking about PPR. So, you know, he's, he's a good late round flyer. Uh, if you do any drafts with Will Brinson, you will be not getting, you will not get Naheem Hines because he drafts him four rounds before he's supposed to go. But he's a good late round pick in this format. In tr- why is Will so high on Naheem Hines? He's an empty stake. Right. Oh, okay. Uh, not the best reason to draft. So is Naeem Hines clearly better than Chris Thompson and Jalen Richard? I think he is. I don't know, clearly better, but better offense. Definitely a better offense and more upside. But all three of these guys are kind of annoyances on your bench. There, they there's go also replace pretty quickly. There, you, you said Thompson, Richard. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess it's hard to say that Thompson's in or that Hines is in a more injury-prone scenario because Thompson himself gets hurt. Plus, he's playing behind two guys that have torn ACLs. <laughs> um, but. You know, Marlon Max had a hard time staying healthy over two. Sure. I actually have them ranked Thompson, Hines, Rashard, but Hines and Thompson are back to back. Okay, so that's Naeem Hines. Shard is how his last name is spelled. <laughs> what is it? The best thing about Rashard is how his last name is spelled. <laughs> yeah, J- Jalen Richard. All right, we're through 133. Let's go to number 132. Jamison Crowder, Jets wide receiver Jamison Crowder, checks in at 132. All right, is anybody finding themselves drafting Jamison Crowder? Yeah, in this range. I think this is a good late-round bench receiver in PPR. I think he's going to have a role carved out. He'll be the slot guy for the Jets. He will have some occasional great weeks, and in PPR, he'll have a lot of 5 for 50 weeks. That's the type of reserve that you might want to have. Yeah, I, I think the upside is... You look at what he did in 2016 when he caught 67 passes for 847 yards and seven touchdowns, and he did that on 99 targets. And you look at Adam Gase's offenses in Miami, the only consistently good position in that offense was the slot receiver position. So if he could fall into a situation where he gets 120 targets and is efficient, he could actually be someone you're just starting in PPR. So when I look at this group of wide receivers – Mohamed Sanu, Jamison Crowder, Robert Foster. How much should we be factoring an upside? It, Lots. Yeah. 
I, and I, you know, it, for me, it tends to be the only thing I, I think about. Sure. And then You're I, trying to catch lightning in a bottle early on in the season. Right. And I don't really see it with Crowder. or I certainly don't see it with Sanu. Um, well, with Sanu, it's Julio hurts his foot again. I guess, but I, I just don't really think he's that good. Like, do we have a track record of Muhammad Sanu being a must-start player when Julio Jones has been hurt? I feel like we don't. I actually don't know. I think it was when A.J. Green was hurt, when he was in Cincinnati. Oh, uh, okay. But he's, yeah, I'd have to check, I guess. But, um, I don't know. I, look, I, I'm not saying I'm right. I, look, maybe yeah, but, it's a, maybe but there's it's a also, depth There's also thing, something too. to be said by, you know, getting somebody that you can get a consistent 8 to 10 points out of in PPR. Yeah. That, I, that, that you're trying to get at this spot. Especially because a lot of people are playing in three wide receiver plus a right. flex or two wide receiver sure. plus two flex leagues. Yeah, yeah, like the, the, yeah, the, yeah. Some of the, like Crowder and, and Sanu, for example, don't have much upside in non-PPR leagues because they're just not going to score a lot of touchdowns. Right. Uh, and I was going to say, like, if you're in deeper leagues, maybe the steady guy who doesn't have a lot of upside is is really a, a better player than in those there, There's leagues. a reason Sanu has been a top 30 guy for what would you say, Dave? Three years? Two straight years. Two straight years because... It's a it's a pass offense that still leans on him. Yeah. Okay. Uh, number one thirty one is a rookie tight end, T.J. Hawkinson, eighth pick in the draft. Uh, Jamie gives this stat a lot, but we've had just one rookie tight end finish in the top ten since Eric Ebron was drafted. Top twelve. Top twelve. Okay. Mm. Uh, and that was Evan Ingram, who benefited from Odell Beckham's injury as a rookie. Um, Hawkinson is the third top 10 rookie tight end or top 10 pick in the NFL draft since 1997 at tight end. I'm going to stop talking now. Does anybody, I know Dave likes CJ Hawkinson, uh, Jamie and Heath, do you feel like taking a late round flyer on Hawkinson? Absolutely. He's a late round flyer. Sure. I, I think, again, you just have to understand what you're getting. He'll probably give you three to five good, maybe great weeks. Think about Chris Herndon last year in his last 11 games. He hit. I think it was 10 or more PPR points five times. I think Hawkinson could do that. I think Hawkinson could be maybe as a ceiling like Trey Burton. But again, the, the, the track record is there for a reason. It's an offense that Daryl Bevel has said, we want to be a running team. So unless Kenny Galladay's chest is that bad, Marvin Jones can't come back healthy, Hawkinson at best is third for targets. And that's not factoring Danny Amendola being their new slot guy who's a Patriots guy playing for a Patriots coach. I struggle a lot because I do all my projections based on a team basis. And I struggle a lot with the targets for the Lions if they reduce their pass attempts at all. Because you've got Galladay, you've got Marvin Jones, Danny Amendola and Theo Riddick, we can roll our eyes at them, but they're going to get some targets. on Johnson's probably going to get 30 or 40 targets. It's just hard for me to find more than 75 for Hawkinson. So the reason why I like drafting Hawkinson has nothing to do with what you'll get out of him over the course of the season, I'm going to drop a new term, Adam, on you. Mm-hmm. And the term is stream to stud. And the idea behind it is that this is a player that you're going to draft as a week one streaming option with the hope that he becomes a stud. So stream to dud, too? It could just as easily be stream to dud. In fact, I would imagine that I'll, I'll probably come out with a list of like 10 of these guys, and I'd say at least six will be stream to dud. But I think there's a chance for Hawkinson to be a stream to stud player. I think he could score. More often than not, he could finish the season with, well, maybe not more often than not, let's say six touchdowns over the bounce of the year. But more importantly, I think he can start week That'd one. Be as many as he scored in college last year. Detroit at Arizona. Well, he was sharing with Noah Fant. He's not sharing that tight end type of workload there. Jesse James, the outlaw. I don't even know who that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Detroit at Arizona. 
in week one. I think Hawkinson can score in that game against the Cardinals. Okay, that is 20 down of the 30 that we're going to talk about today. Number 131 was TJ Hawkinson. Now, before we go any further, I want to say two things. One, these are PPR rankings. I should have made that clear. That's why I think you're seeing so many pass-catching running backs uh, populating this portion of the list. And number two, this is a little bit of an experimental episode for us. So let us know what you think. I am actually really interested how you feel about the format. If you're you know, getting a lot out of these episodes, I hope you do. I really hope these are helpful. So let us know, fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. You can email us or feel free to tweet me at Adam Azer, A-I-Z-E-R. You can also follow the guys on Twitter at Heath Cummings Sr., Heath Cummings S-R, at Jamie Eisenberg, it's J-A-M-E-Y, and at Dave Richard, singular Dave Richard. Ten more on today's show. Number 130 is running back Kalen Balaj for the Miami Dolphins. What are the chances that Kalen Balaj is just better than Kenyon Drake without an injury? 47%. Ooh, that's pretty high. I'll say 22%. Dave, um, 35%, Dave, right in the middle? Yeah, maybe. I, I was going to say around like 30%. I, and I, I'm conflicted on this because I, I am a pretty big Kenyon Drake believer. And I think if they would just give him the job, he could be a top 12 running back this year. But the initial comments um, have not been encouraging in terms of that happening. And I'm just a little bit concerned that whatever crazy thing it was about Kenyon Drake that Adam Gase uh, caused him to keep giving the ball to Frank Gore, that that just continues. Um, but I, I think Bellage of all these backup running backs, he's not towards the top in terms of talent, but he may be towards the top in terms of chances to get 200 touches. Okay. Uh, if you right. had to carve out, it not carves, not the right word. If you had to give what roles Drake and Bellage would have, assuming that they were going to split. So this isn't going to be Kenny Drake lead back and Bellage five touches a game. It's going to be better than that. Bellage is a little bit thicker, right? Wouldn't you say that he could get used more in those short yardage goal line opportunities than Kenyon Drake? I would think so, but that's not the possibly. Right. This is one of the backfields that I I have trouble with. But the one thing I'll say is that Drake is the better pass catcher. The Dolphins, I think, are going to play from behind a lot. So I think Drake, just by nature of that, will see a lot more playing time than Bellage. All right, Jamie, talk to me about number 129 on the list, Michael Gallup, going into his second year for the Dallas Cowboys. Close the season strong. You know, so I think he benefited being the number two guy um, opposite Amari Cooper. You know, the hope would be is that he takes the next step. Uh, really struggled early in the season when, when I think he was facing a little bit tougher coverage. But... Uh, you, you have to worry though now with Cobb and, and Witten there, does that take away targets from him? Cause you know, Amari's going to get his, and I think they'd like what they got out of Ezekiel Elliott in the passing game. So I don't think that changes very much, but in this range, he's, he's in an offense that, um, you know, has a quarterback. He told you, you know, Dak was on pace for 4,400 yards. Is that right? Um, with Mark Cooper, 4,400. Yes. So, um, you know, Gallup should be a, uh, you know, I I, I want to say he's going to be better than when it was Dez and Terrence Williams. You know, you always have that Terrence Williams game, you know, where it'd be, okay, maybe now he's starting to get a little bit more volume, a little bit better, and then he would disappear for weeks. I think that'll kind of be like what Gallup is, but just in a little bit better opportunity for him. So I don't want to say he's Terrence Williams 2.0, but he's probably close to that. When you look at Michael Gallup's game log, people, please don't forget to look at his postseason game log. Two catches for 18 yards and a touchdown. He caught a touchdown against Seattle. And then six catches for 119 yards. His best game of the season came in that loss at the Rams. Next up on the list, we are at number 128, and it's Russell Wilson. 
He was the number nine quarterback in four point per passing touchdown leagues and number eight in six point per passing touchdown leagues. And that was with fewest pass attempts in five seasons, career low rush attempts. That was weird. I mean, I understand where the passing was down. I don't quite know why he didn't run the ball, but he had another strong year, and it's three of his last four seasons with 34 or 35 touchdown passes. 34. No, I think 34 or 35. Oh, okay. He's had 34 or more three of his last four seasons. Yeah, but never more than 35. It's been one or the other. Uh, Heath, I'm going to give you the first word on Wilson. Um, Are you the low guy on him? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it doesn't feel good. I don't necessarily (laughs) like it. I think Russell Wilson's supremely talented. Um, But he also has... I think if you were going to project pass volume for all the quarterbacks in the NFL, you would project him for the fewest passes. If except for Lamar Jackson, who is going to run considerably more than Wilson, I would expect. And listen, he's always been pretty good in terms of touchdown. His 6% career touchdown rate is one of the best in the NFL history. That's fine. I'm if, fine with that. Though. I feel like that he is that good. If you so give him a 6% touchdown rate last year and you're taking away eight of his touchdowns. Oh, wow. Yeah. He had an 8.2% rate last year. Ooh, wow. Career high. So, like, just that right there, he threw for 3,400 yards. That's not a – and the thing that it is, it's not like – when we had this Carson Wentz argument a year and a half ago over touchdown rate, Carson Wentz, with an extremely too good touchdown rate, was on pace to be, like, the best quarterback in fantasy. Russell Wilson played 16 games and had a completely unsustainable touchdown rate to finish as the number seven quarterback in fantasy. Yeah, no, I don't, well, I have him at eight. Okay. So, so yeah, uh, nine and nine and four point eight and six point. That's that's pretty interesting. Uh, so does anybody have Wilson in their top ten? Yes. No. I do. Why? Because he's amazing. And I know <laughs> that we're we're about to embark on a year of Russell Wilson without Doug Baldwin, and can DK Metcalf and whoever replaces Doug Baldwin step up and, and keep Russell Wilson as a great quarterback. I think he can still do it. I, 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 I don't think the reason why Russell Wilson was so great was because of Doug Baldwin. I think Baldwin benefited from Russell Wilson. I think he's just an outstanding quarterback who can make great impromptu plays, throw the ball downfield. Seahawks have talked about throwing the ball downfield more and they don't want to use Tyler Lockett for all those opportunities. He's he's going to have more than 427 pass attempts this year. He might not have 500, but he's always been efficient. And I yep. feel like you're just I feel like you're just like overlooking what he did before last season and assuming that well, he's only going to throw 427 passes again. No, no, I've no got a way it. he's going to have 8.2% touchdown rate. Well, like, he's not. I, that number will go down, the attempts are going to go up, his yardage will go up and he will finish as a top 10 quarterback. He belongs as a top 100 pick on draft day. I've got him at 451 attempts, 3,600 yards. God, that's so low. And I was wrong. I misspoke when I was talking about his touchdown rate, and if you dropped him down to 6%, I said it, it would cost him eight touchdowns. It would have cost him nine and a half. 25.5 but, with know, a 6% touchdown rate. There was something weird about the, the comparison to Wentz with Wilson. Wentz had zero rushing touchdowns two seasons ago. And for all the guys that had as many rush attempts or yards as he had, it was very, very strange for him to have zero rushing touchdowns. I would say the same thing for Russell Wilson. 67 carries, 376 yards rushing, which was low. Career low rush attempts. 
he had zero rushing touchdowns last Once year. Once so. in the last four years, he has multiple rushing touchdowns. But Here's I know, but I know you don't buy that. I know you he yeah. don't buy that. Like, don't give me that. Cause Three times. No, twice in the last six years, he has more than one rush, rushing touchdown. But that's just so weird. If he's going to run they, the ball that they, much, he should get in the end zone more. I don't think he'll run the ball very much. I don't think you should draft him for his rushing prowess anymore. I think that ship has sailed. And I, I do might get one rushing I touchdown. I do have him projected for a rushing touchdown. Yeah, he can get you that one. Can I get Jamie in? Right, you, we, you know, we have kind of cut Jamie out of this discussion. Go ahead. Uh, I, I'm I'm leaning more toward Heath. Uh, you know, it's just I, I don't want to draft based on what a guy has done. I'm going to look at what he's you know probably going to do, and and I think you're going to see the touchdowns come down. I mean, he's losing five touchdowns off of his receiving core from a year ago, and while I do think that Metcalf will be better, I don't think Tyler Lockett will be as good. And so you know, you had some of those fluky touchdowns last year with Lockett with Will Disley. You know, when he's running through defenses the way he was early in the season. This is a run first team, and they want to run the ball as much as they possibly can. So Wilson will be good. I just don't think he'll be a great fantasy quarterback. I just think there are guys that will push him outside the top 12, and I do think taking him in the first 100 picks is a huge mistake. Okay. A huge mistake. Okay. Uh, it's okay. I, I, here's, here's a moral to the story. we got to wrap it up. Go ahead. I bet there's somebody in every single draft who overvalues Russell Wilson and will take him with a top 75. I hope they do. Oh, for sure. Let them do that. Uh, good, you, you, good point. If you're listening, don't be the one to take Russell Wilson in round six or round seven. You're going to wait till after that. As I mentioned... QB six in the consensus rankings on fantasy fantasy pros right now. 72nd overall. All right. I'm going to group these next three together. They're all running backs. Ronald Jones for Tampa Bay entering his second season. Royce Freeman, second year running back for Denver and Daryl Henderson, uh, rookie running back for the Rams. Ronald Jones, Royce Freeman and Daryl Henderson. 127, 126, 125 in our top 150. How do you guys rank Ronald Jones, Royce Freeman and Daryl Henderson? Henderson, Jones, Freeman for me. Freeman, Henderson, Jones. I believe I have it. Henderson, Freeman, Jones. So no consensus. No, but Jones was not first for anybody, right? No, but he could certainly move up the list quickly. Right. He, he has, I guess, the clearest path, the best opportunity for... Immediate playing time, yeah, because yeah. he doesn't have to get he doesn't have to rely on an injury. Uh, th- these are three running backs that we're going to talk a lot about in the next two months. I don't know how much time we should really spend on them now because their values could change dramatically. Todd Gurley spends a week practicing at training camp, and Daryl Henderson's ADP is going to slide. Peyton Barber w- ends up working exclusively with the ones in training camp and the preseason. Ronald Jones is going to slide. Philip Lindsay's back on the field because his wrist is better. Royce Freeman's going to slide. And if all three of those running backs I just mentioned are hurt or whatever, or they're not good or they're not running with the ones, then the inverse is going to happen. And all three of their ADPs are going to shoot up. Okay, so I'm looking at the consensus rankings, actually. Royce Freeman is RB37. Uh, I think RB38 is Ronald Jones. But the, yeah, but they're separate a little bit. And then Henderson, I don't have him. So he's RB fifty five. So he's way down there. Excuse me. Wow. All right, so we can keep an eye on these situations and uh, understand where we're at with with those guys. Henderson right now is the biggest lottery ticket in fantasy. Yeah, but uh, you know, not to just rehash what you were talking about on the video show, but it was a good conversation. Heath, you're not so sure that Todd Gurley gets injured. You're not so sure they just give the keys to Daryl Henderson. I I'm not, and I I. I'm more concerned 
with, and it's part of the reason I don't like taking Todd Gurley at the end of the first round is I feel like Todd Gurley is going to play week one and get like 70% of what he used to get. And I hope he does. And then Henderson's probably just a guy that you're holding on to and in case Gurley gets hurt. Okay. All right. Next up on the top 150, numbers 124 and 123. Very easy to group these two together. Wide receivers, rookie wide receivers. Debo Samuel for the Niners is 124. DK Metcalf for the Seahawks is 123. Who do you guys prefer, Debo Samuel or DK Metcalf? Samuel for me. Metcalf. I've gone back and forth. I I think right now I have Metcalf higher. One spot. They're both, though, not in my top 150. Both of them are in my top 150. I mean, they're very different receivers. Yes. Right? Yes, very. Different situations. Just very. The the only comparison I see between the two is that they're second round picks and they're back to back in our top 150. Samuel and Metcalf. They are on NFC West teams. That's true. That is true. All right, what, uh, what do you want to say about these guys? I think format might matter more than not for them. I think Samuel has a chance to catch maybe as many as 20 more passes than Metcalf over the balance of the season. He's not as explosive. He's not as fast as DK. Uh, he's a he's a yards-after-catch guy. Um, he's a physical wide receiver. He almost looks like a running back when you watch Samuel play. But I don't know how tough of a path he has to playing time in San Francisco. And I, I think he'll see more targets than than Metcalf will over the balance of the year. So I like him better for that reason in PPR. This Samuel will, could be their number one receiver or it could be fourth. Yeah. This, and I think Metcalf, we could say almost I, I don't think Metcalf has a chance to be the number one receiver for Seattle. I think he could be two, three, four. And if he has a bad training camp, he's opening the, Seahawks, the season as two. And he's he's, he's opening he, camp as the two. He he will most likely challenge he's the most likely candidate to challenge Lockett for their touchdown lead this season. Heath, uh, as much fun as it was to hear people interrupt you, I will let you <laughs> speak now. I think Samuel's skill set is more prepared for the NFL right now today. Metcalf has more of an opportunity because of the lack of talent in Seattle. But on the other hand, Samuel has more opportunity because his team is actually going to try to throw forward passes occasionally. <laughs> so uh, I uh, take a drink every time I bring up this stat. I've already brought it up once today on CBS Sports HQ. Tyler Lockett, 19 career touchdowns, six of them inside the 20-yard line. I think DK Metcalf, it's my bold prediction. I know nobody's going to, few people are going to agree with it. I think he leads the Seahawks in touchdowns this year. Uh, I just, he seems to be their most likely, situ, uh, you know, most likely red zone target. But I think also think Will Disley is a sleeper. So how many touchdowns for DK? Ten. Whoa. And Whoa, many, come on. How many for Lockett? For, and how many seasons? Seven. Seven for Lockett? Yes. How many for Disley? Five. Okay. So that's uh, 22. You don't have any for more. Three. Or Penny. Two. Two Two for more. Okay. So we're up to 24. Mm-hmm. Penny? Well, don't go on running backs yet. I would just combine the running backs. So you have uh, so, Jennings? Yeah. I, I Look, I don't know. I'll give, I'll give Russell Wilson 29 touchdown passes. Let's do our last two here. 122 is Jamal Williams. Green Bay running back Jamal Williams. Oh, yeah, pretty interesting player. Did He answered the bell at the end of last season, was maybe a fantasy winner during the championship. Uh, what do you guys think about Jamal Williams? As of now, the Aaron Jones handcuff. Could change, but for now, he could be the yang to Aaron Jones' ying. Jones is going to be the main guy, should be the main guy. 
Um, I could I could see Dexter Williams push Jamal Williams for that number two role in camp. I, but I think what we just said there shows that Jamal Williams might be a little too high on this list. Yeah, he's barely because we in my just top said as of now the Aaron Jones handcuff, and I agree with that completely. But we're I don't I think we think it's more likely that someone takes the handcuff job than that he takes Aaron Jones' job. But he was really good at the end of last year. I mean, yes, weeks fifteen and sixteen in particular, and it was not just as a rusher. It was it was ninety seven total yards at Chicago, and then one hundred and fifty six total yards at the Jets in an overtime shootout. And he scored a touchdown in both games, but he had ten catches in those two games. He had three or more catches in four of his last five games. The so, final three games, he averaged over sixteen PPR points, and in the week seventeen game, Aaron Rodgers didn't play most of the game. Right. So I I look at him as a guy who took advantage of an opportunity late last two years season. in a row. Yeah, that's exactly right. Okay. Um, He's worth drafting, but if if he doesn't do anything in the first three weeks of the season, you're going to end up cutting him. Yeah. Probably, unless you own Aaron Jones, you might not. But sure, that's fair. Albert Wilson. Okay, this is fun. I, we have really not talked about Albert Wilson since the Dolphins signed him. Dolphins wide receiver Albert Wilson is number one twenty-one on the list. He's the last guy. So we haven't talked about, about him for two years. Oh uh, wow. Okay, honestly, I forgot. <laughs> Maybe I forgot <laughs> that he actually was pretty good. I complete. I, I I'm embarrassed. I completely forgot about Albert Wilson. Uh, last year he only played seven games, and he had 391 yards and four touchdowns. Really not bad at all. Because um, he was Adam Gase's slot guy, as he pointed out. Yeah, so I apologize for the error there. Um, what do you, it's Definitely not somebody who was on my radar, as you can obviously tell. It's, uh, it's a receiving core that's got an opportunity for someone to step up and take hold of it. And, you know, Kenny Stills and Devontae Parker, the other two guys uh, – they like this kid, Preston Williams, uh, from Colorado State, who was an undrafted rookie free agent. Uh, he's been making plays in OTAs. I think part of the reason why is because Wilson is still working his way back from that hip injury, so you got to keep an eye on that. Jakeem Grant also working his way back from the Achilles injury. But uh, it's a team that's probably going to be trailing a lot. I think if you're rooting for any of the Dolphins receivers, you want Ryan Fitzpatrick to win the job because while Josh Rosen is the better NFL quarterback long-term for this team, you know, if things work out right, Fitzpatrick will be the one that takes more chances. He'll be the one that's you know not afraid to you know put the ball in some tight windows. We've seen it from him before that he can make his receivers better. So not to say that Josh Rosen can't, but we just haven't seen it yet. So I I, I think from Wilson's perspective, all three of the Dolphins receivers are worth late round flyers. I put Wilson third just because I'm curious how he'll be coming back from the hip injury. And while he did have that five five game stretch last year, six game stretch last year, whatever he's healthy, uh, that's really the only time he's been very good as a fantasy receiver. Chad O'Shea is the new offensive coordinator for the Dolphins. He was the receivers coach for New England. Uh, that He's installing the exact same type of offense that the Patriots have been using. That's been good for slot receivers. And but they're going to use all three of those guys in the slot. They might mix and match, but I bet Wilson ends up playing there the most. If he's healthy. If he's healthy. He's my second favorite because I can't trust Devontae Parker. Okay. Heath, final word, Ten sec- uh, 15 seconds on Albert Wilson? Yeah, I, st- I think either he or Kenny Stills could be a uh, startable wide receiver three. All right, guys. Well, I, I had a good time. I thought this was fun. Hopefully everybody tuned out before the Albert Wilson gaffe. But I hope you all enjoyed it. And again, I'd love to get your feedback and tell me how, what you thought of the format, if it was helpful, just getting acquainted with these guys like I got acquainted with Albert Wilson. What's the format again? What do you mean the format of the show? PPR? Guys, this, PPR? this has no. been a half PPR episode. Happy yes. because We started one way and then we changed it like five players in. So we'll just call that half PPR. I mean, you, you, you came off that interview with DeSouza to this. 
<laughs> was that a great what an episode oh if you haven't listened please did you did out. i haven't listened to yet did you leave the bleeps in no i got i got overruled what I, I had to bleep the i had to do the bleeps what yeah i got it came from up above i had to get the curse words out but it was it was really funny at the time. You melon fuck. <laughs> Wait, what, what, what? You have the time on? The uh, goodbye, everybody. Thank oh, you. you. We'll talk to you tomorrow with 30 more players. Bye.